This week's episode of Distilling Theology is sponsored by Lagas Bible Software. Lagas provides advanced Bible research tools at the tip of your fingers on your computer, on mobile devices, and they have an enormous and ever-growing digital library that is fully indexed, and it's just a great resource. We highly recommend it. We use it every week. You can get a discount on your first Lagos purchase if you go to lagos.com slash distillingtheology. Welcome back, guys. Now, before we jump into this awesome extra epic episode with our dear friend Joe Thorne, guys, we wanted to announce our giveaway winners. We are currently in um, separate locations. I'm in a different location than usual, but we wanted to make sure that we got this recorded before this episode goes live uh, because our winners have been chosen. We have spoken. <laughs> so, Blake, why don't you hit us with number three? Who came in third place? All right. I think we're going to need that drum roll, please. The first of our winners coming in third place is Melissa Whitman. Congratulations. I'm totally missing my sound cues here and just completely dropping the ball. Oh, no. <laughs> I have lost. I, I can't even find it. It's over. But uh, congratulations. Perfect. We'll just do this. There we go. Everyone's a winner. So all of our winners are going to receive a, a copy of James Dolezal's book, All That Is In God. Uh, and Melissa Whitman, you're going to be winning a Distilling Theology quote mug. And uh, we're very, very excited for you there. Uh, Justin, who's coming in uh, second place today? Second place is, wait for it, wait for it, Pat Cuddier, Cuddier, Cuddy, something. It's, uh, it's, I can't pronounce it, but uh, along with the book, you will also be receiving a single Distilling Theology Rocks glass, this is the which way. is one of my favorite glasses. So, congratulations. We love it. And our epic number one first place grand prize winner is whom, Balake. First place is going to our friend Jonathan Woods. Congratulations. You are now going to be the owner of not one but two of our limited, uh, not in circulation yet, Distilling Theology Canadian Glencairn glasses. So uh, we'll reach out to all of you individually to get your addresses, to mail these goodies out to you. We're so excited. A huge shout out and thank you to Reformation Heritage Books for providing us these three copies of All That Is In God. And again, to Dr. Dolezal for his time. Uh, I already listened to that episode like three or four times, so you guys should probably listen mm -hmm. to it again because it was great. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're super stoked. And guys, this episode that is coming up is going to be awesome. Uh, the original recording, I think, went for over three hours, but we've trimmed it down. Uh, so we're really excited about that. And Eric was back with us. So, uh, you know, it's going to be and great. I lost power. It was an adventure. And uh, if you want to see the full adventure, you can head over to patreon.com slash distilling theology uh, to find out more about that. And, uh, you know, I got to find my sound cue here so we can transition. But um, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. And without further ado, here is episode 97 on Congregationalist Polity. You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David! I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. <laughs> I said that with a straight face. This is... Distilling Theology.
Good afternoon or evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is your Presbyterian co-host, Blake Courtright. Uh, I'm alone and I am outnumbered tonight, uh, but not alone in the sense of being actually alone, alone in the sense of being the only Presbyterian uh, on this four-man show tonight, uh, surrounded by Baptists. But to quote the Mandalorian, you know, we got you three to one. I like those odds. So on that note, uh, let me toss it over to our sometimes co-host, Eric, uh, who has a little, hey. little intro. Hey. Hey, buddy. I'm back, guys. Welcome back. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> uh, I think it's a sympathy. Uh, they had me on as a sympathy because if you couldn't no, this smell is it. A, this is the sound of the fans, <laughs> Eric. They love you. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love the people. Uh, well, if you guys couldn't smell it from the uh, cigar smoke coming over Zoom, we have everyone's favorite bourbon-drinking bearded Baptist bad boy with us today, the theological garden gnome who's written numerous gnome-sized tomes. To know him is to love him. We have Joe Thorne. How's it going, man? <laughs> What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Welcome. That was amazing. That was amazing. That was really good. You're proud of that, aren't you? I'm so proud of that. Feeling pretty good. That's about oh, as yeah. long as a chapter in one of my books. Uh, yeah. Intro right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Experience. Did you experience the Trinity in that one? Uh, well, there are three of you. Uh, yeah. So a, a, a Trinity of blasphemy, maybe. There we go. Sure. <laughs> sure. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's, it's weird not being the only bearded Baptist on the show. I know. It's great. It's, it's great. Good. Strength it's in numbers. Strength in numbers. That's right. Uh, you're going to name it. But I don't know. We're, we're thrilled. Uh, that Joe would come and, and spend some time with us this evening to talk about congregationalist polity and, and good Baptisty things. Um, Joe is a pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in Illinois, and he is the co-host of a podcast, which if you listen to our show, I'm going to assume you've probably at least heard of, if not listen to Doctrine and Devotion. Uh, and if you don't, what are you doing? Get over there and subscribe, because uh, they, they run a great show. Um, I really enjoy it. I think there's kind of a sim- similar uh, tenor to ours, except you know, maybe a little bit more informed and you guys probably know a little bit more what you're talking about. So <laughs> I don't know about that. That's, that's funny because I forgot to say any of that as I was introducing him because I just figured everybody knows that about him. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you know, he's not, he's not uh, our other recurring guest, uh, Todd Pruitt. You know, these, these, right. these platformed pastors are a little, uh, you know, little squirrely sometimes <laughs> well i listen I, I wear platform shoes because of my height but i don't have much of a platform to speak of so okay but here's here's the question though is uh are you or richard barcelos taller i don't actually know the answer to this well you should just go ahead and assume and you'll be right what would you assume who's taller i so i honestly don't know because it was only well, richard's the- got the hair that adds, Listen, that adds Richard's height. hair alone would yeah. add another that inch. Nice pump. Yeah, he's he's uh, and he's pumped anyway. He's kind of jacked, isn't he? He seems like yeah. he works out. You know, mm-hmm. got the California bod. You know, I got the Midwestern <laughs> dad bod. That's what I have. Um, but no, yeah, he's taller. He's taller. Fair enough. I listen. I thought I was five six for most of my adult life, and then somebody challenged me on it, and then I realized I was five eight. I mean five five <laughs> until until. The doctor showed me I was like five four. So now I think I'm, I think I'm basically a midget. Is what so you're I basically uh, Gimli is what I'm hearing. Yeah, you know, that's, I, yeah, that's that's fine. I just recently had a similar revelation. For years, I thought I was taller than I was. My license actually says I'm five ten, and then I w- but I was like I'm not five ten. I, I figured I was five eight, and then uh, and then just recently I was challenged on it, and I measured I'm five six. Bro, and so, <laughs> what's up? What's wrong with us? I don't know. Getting you know, old. It, we walk tall. That's why. Getting shorter. Really? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 
Well, your voice that, sounds <laughs> tall, Justin. Yeah, it's the it's the confidence. Yeah, it is. <laughs> exuding and you know what else is exuding are the aromas from our glasses tonight um mm. we have a, a bourbon whiskey in our glass this evening um and i'm excited to sip it it's been this is i, I haven't had it in a very long time um i'm i'm it was just what we all happen to have on hand so yeah you know, joe uh, made us buy this bottle no i had other <laughs> bourbons and i didn't have were, it on hand at all yeah, i had to go they buy were like it. Oh, i don't have that i'm like all right we have other bourbons too but like Bullet is, if I spoiled it, I'm sorry. No, but Bullet is one that we just always have. Boulet. It's just, we always have a, a handle of it. And it's just always, and, but my, my wife puts it, puts some of it in one of these little decanters oh, for me. Oh, fancy. Um, Naturally. So, yeah. And I got this sweet. Look at that. Rocks glass. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I love it. Represent. I see Eric's got a, is that what I think it is, Eric? It is. Frosted Glen right Frosted there. Frosted Glen. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, man. Hello, Patreon. Speaking of which, some of you guys on Patreon uh, I believe at the end of this month, some of you are at that uh, three-month marker, and you're going to be getting some of these glasses, which I'm super excited about. So yeah, that's ooh, awesome. Yes. Uh, so Eric, since you're the resident, uh, sure. the distiller in residence whose frame has frozen, um, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about this whiskey? Oh, no. This, this one is actually in the notes, if you were able to get in. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know a little bit about it, but am I, am I still frozen? No, you're no, I'm frozen. actually. Okay, you're no sweet. longer I'm the frozen chosen. My, <laughs> my internet is actually getting updated this saturday in a couple days oh. but not in time for this show so if I, you lose me i'm sorry but uh yeah no so bullet or boulet as joe calls it sometimes <laughs> i do not call it that <laughs> uh, <laughs> um the mash bill supposedly is 60 per, or 68 percent corn 28 percent rye and four percent malted barley um now it's a very mysterious bourbon it's shrouded in darkness because you see, Bullet does not actually distill or make their own whiskey. They they source it, meaning they buy it from other, at least one other distillery. I was reading things earlier about it. Um, for years, it was thought and accepted that Four Roses is the actual distillery that makes this mm. bourbon. Um, and in the last few years, both Bullet and Four Roses, they were very open about it. They seem to be backing away from that. And recently, I read something... Um, where someone from Bullet was saying they actually source whiskey from multiple distilleries and then they blend it together. Hmm. But I don't think that's accurate either because it couldn't be called a Kentucky straight bourbon if it was actually a blend from multiple distilleries. I'd have to say blend it on there. Anyway, the written in the weeds. Um, all that yes. to say is that it is a classic bourbon uh, on the nose, which we'll get to in a sec, uh, as all the classic bourbon notes. Um, it's uh, about, at least around my area, about $30 a bottle. Um, it's a classic, uh, again, you know, as someone who makes whiskey, it bothers me when, uh, someone doesn't make their whiskey, but tries to pass it off like they do. That being said, it is a great bourbon. So I'm not that mad at Joe for making me buy a bottle of it. Be a little <laughs> also, yeah. Listen, those, pe yeah. people buy it because the bottle is amazing. It's fancy. It's, That's it's a fancy why people love bottle. that bottle, that embossed glass. Come on. Oh yeah. Yep. It's a beautiful bottle. Also, if you want to be real fancy, uh, you can toss two ounces of this in a cocktail with half an ounce of coffee liqueur of your choice, two dashes of orange bitters, stir that together. You can either serve it up or on the rocks and garnish with a flamed orange peel. And now you have bullets in your revolver cocktail. So mm. the more wow. you know. And if you mm, want to be right. really crazy, instead of doing ounces, you can grab shot glasses. So you have a two shots in uh, your cocktail. Uh, and it's smoking, so from the orange peel. You know, this is just crazy. I, I do actually enjoy that cocktail a little bit, but uh, I, I, was, I thought a I'd mention bit. that with my uh, my bartending flair. 
bringing it back. Well, I'll tell my wife because my wife, she got bored during COVID and took a whole bartending course. Yes. And awesome. so, which Very is nice. why we have, we have a wall of alcohol. Like she's Tom Cruise and cocktail doing all this stuff. <laughs> and uh, so we've got a lot of things. She That's loves awesome. learning new cocktails. So I'm going to, I'll share that with her. I've got some, some book records. She probably already read them, but there's one that I really love. I'll, I'll toss it to you. Yeah. Send them my sure. way. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. Let's, let's see what do you guys smell on this bullet whiskey. I know Justin likes it cause it's bullets. Yeah, yeah, it's my. Uh, this is some good Second Amendment bourbon we some, have here. Some freedom seeds. Uh, <laughs> so, um, very, very uh, bright orange, toasted vanilla. Pretty straightforward. It's not terribly mm-hmm. complex, but yep. soothing, Cycle. comforting. I get a lot of bananas foster on it. There's a strong banana as well as that orange note. Just Sam Redahan right would like to have um, a word with you, Eric. Get that banana out of my whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But no, it's got that brown sugar, cinnamon, vanilla ice cream, banana note going on to mm-hmm. it. Um, very sweet. A L- little bit of baking spice in there, though, too. that brown sugar and cinnamon touch of clove. So it's, it's a balance of sweet and spicy. Oh, and we didn't say it is. It's uh, 90 proof. I should say it's only 90 proof. I mean, yeah. I mean, what are we doing, gentlemen? <laughs> I don't get out of bed for less than 100. There Come on. Go. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's 90 proof. And for a 90 proof whiskey, it does have a very potent nose, which is nice. You know, the, the lower yeah. the proof, the lighter the nose tends to be. The higher the proof, the more uh, aromatic it'll be. Joe, what are you getting? Just off the nose? Sure. Oh, goodness, man. I'm not that sophisticated. <laughs> um, but when I, when I drink Bullet in particular, or Boulet. Um, See? It's, it's a, I like that it's a it's a simple bourbon. Uh, it's sweet but a little spicy, right? Um, I like that. It's uh, you know, I de- the only things that I really pick up on because again, my palate's not that sophisticated. I just know what I like. Same with cigars, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it a little bit of orange and uh, caramel, you know. But uh, that's about as that's about as deep as I can get with uh, with bullet. I'm not super sophisticated. It's oh, good. Fried your palate with all those cigars. <laughs> I, I, I probably have. You smoke too many of these a day, so uh, I, I notice you got a new world there. Shocking. Not, I know, not at all. But yeah. every time I look for them, I can't find them. You like you popularized them, and now oh man, I'll tell you these things. These things. I know that's not what we're talking about. Uh, when <laughs> in Calif- when I was in California, <laughs> these were thirteen dollars at my local cigar shop. They're ten dollars at the local beverage shop, the the liquor store that I go to. All over Chicago, they have walk-in humidors, so they buy them in mass quantities, seven dollars. Oh my gosh! This is the way. So, uh, yeah. So I smoke That's... a lot of it because I think it's a perfect cigar, and I smoke them daily. Yeah. I never thought I'd be jealous of something about Illinois. <laughs> no, there's not much <laughs> ever. There's not a... But Benny's I can't beverage find those depot. around here. Yeah. beverage depot is the only thing. Oh, <laughs> can't be roasting our guests. Uh, home. I mean, Justin and I live in New York, so, you know, it could yeah, always be. Yeah, I will say so. Illinois is way better than New York. <laughs> I would rather live in Illinois than New York, but not by yeah. much. Yeah. It depends on where New York. I mean, it could be That's worse. True. We're, we're both north. We're yeah. both yeah, way so north I, of the city. I'd be, okay, I'd, be, I'd be okay in northern New York. So good housing yeah. prices up there. Nobody cares. Oh, yeah. Super yeah, cheap. Yeah. Super cheap. Yeah, it's so, so I'm, at, I'm house shopping right now, and it's, it's everything is... For, for what you get is remarkably inexpensive. It, oh, that's fair. For where you are, yeah. Where I am, yeah. that is not the case. Well, yeah, you're near the capital region. That's why. Yeah, everything's expensive here. Yeah. It's expensive to breathe. Uh, it's expensive uh, to drink. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Speaking uh, sorry, of drinking. Guys. I'm getting tired. Uh, sorry. Let's, wow. let's Long taste day. this thing. <laughs> Cheers, gentlemen. Yeah. Cheers.
Oh yeah, that's nice and bright on the palette. That 90 proof yeah. though is, I'm missing that that kick. I want a little more. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's very mellow, like that vanilla, and I do get that little bit of citrus note in the front. Yeah, it being 90 proof, as far as a bullet goes, it's more like a 22 than a 45. <laughs> yeah. That's why you pour four ounces. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Justin, I'm definitely getting that orange note, especially in the front end of that palette. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of a, a warming, wintry feel, like uh, with the spices and the maybe a hint of tobacco. Um, I think you're projecting there, but it's, <laughs> but it's it's not um, it's not it's not offensive. It's not. Um, I'm 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 kind of craving, like you're saying, I'm kind of craving a little bit more punch. Um, but overall, it's it's very. Uh, what's a good term would be? It's very acceptable. <laughs> it's, it's a yeah. very acceptable bourbon. It's very. Um uh ecumenical it kind of reaches across the aisle here just like this podcast yeah. today you know it, it, ta- sure. it tastes like classical theism Ooh. Let's just say that. <laughs> spicy which is why guys like Owen Strand I mean, can't I, drink it I don't know Joe that's going a little too far cuz you're talking about the pinnacle there and there's a lot better than bullet there it's is not the pinnacle would... it's just the it's just the basic it, it, oh, classical sure. theism oh, okay. is yeah, the yeah. foundation I you see start with classical yeah. theism. Unless it's you're a foundational old. bourbon. Yes, it's very simple, if you will. Oh, like I introduce people to bourbon with like, <laughs> like Basil Hayden. I introduce sure. people to bourbon who oh, don't like bourbon, it. don't know bourbon because it's just it's super easy to drink, and then I can explain what bourbon is to them. And like one of our elders was anti whiskey. I said, let's have a tasting. He came, but he loves experimentation. Comes over, bottle of Basil Hayden. I talked all about bourbon, how it's made, what what it's all about, and all that smell taste all that and homeboy is a full-on bourbon nerd now uh it was just a little gateway Boop. wasn't Easy. pat was it no pat likes amaretto <laughs> sours okay <laughs> i was gonna say i hope you won him over to bourbon no, i love <laughs> pat no, i love pat he'll take a sip of bourbon no it's pastor brian i love it oh he seems like he seems like he would have been a bourbon drinker when I met him. Yeah, well, he, he is now, but you yeah, probably was by good. the time you met him. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Speaking of mellow things and and whiskeys overproof, I actually um, over the weekend, I, my wife and I were visiting family in Western Michigan, and uh, I someone there had brought mellow corn, and I was like, you know what? I, I sipped it. I got, we ended up buying a bottle for like fifteen bucks in Indiana, and I was like, you know, it's it's a corn whiskey. <laughs> And it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, for a hundred proof, it's pretty, it's pretty mellow, be, pretty true to the name. Be real, Blake. Well, your real thoughts were, well, it's 15 bucks and it'll get you drunk. That's what you <laughs> No, actually, actually, no, it was it's 15 bucks and I can make Justin sip this with me. Um, that's really the. So tell me something. You guys are the experts. Okay. You tell oh. me something. So. That's why we have you on because we're the experts. Exactly. You are the experts. You guys want to feel important. You bring on a dummy like me. All right. So um, my first taste of whiskey, I was 10 years old. My dad gave me a shot. And I didn't have whiskey again until I was in my 30s. Um, my dad let me do pretty much whatever I wanted. So, uh, and, he, and I think he knew what would happen. So, um, I, when I when I, in my 30s, my early 30s, I started like, let me learn more about whiskeys. And so I, uh, I tried scotches and I learned about scotches, found out I hate Islay scotches. It's not my thing. <sighs> um, then I went to Irish whiskeys and reluctantly started working with American whiskeys. And um, and found bourbon to just be my sweet spot. I just love bourbon. But if I could get rid of one whiskey, let me ask you guys: if you could get w- rid of one kind of whiskey, just outright corn whiskey, whatever, I have one in my mind. I do too. What whiskey? What whiskey would you just like? Just chop it off, get rid of it. It doesn't exist anymore. 
Mm, Irish whiskey. Mm. I like some Irish whiskey. I'm torn because uh, the easy answer is Canadian whiskey. Yes! That's what I was oh, going to say. But, but, yes! but I already don't Good consider answer. it real whiskey. Oh, so it's like answer. in my book, it's not real whiskey already. So, you know, um, Canadian whiskey's awful. <laughs> you know, they, they add neutral grain spirit, or not, not all of them, but they're legally allowed to add basically essentially high proof vodka to it to. Structure oh, yeah. to make it go they can further. put poutine and it, in there and it's called yeah. it's they still consider it whiskey they don't care isn't that what they distill to make it <laughs> people the mash say bill. that they yeah people say that it's rye <laughs> it's a predominantly rye mash bill in canada but i think you're right i think it's poutine is their mash bill yeah <laughs> that's how i feel about canadian whiskey sorry friends uh, yeah no i uh I feel that. Yeah, it would it would be Canadian whiskey for me, mostly because Dang, I, I don't want to part yeah. with. I don't want to part with bourbon. Yeah. I don't want to part with rye. Japanese whiskey is super interesting. I love yeah. all things Scotch and Irish whiskey. It's not my jam, but it's solid. Like it's a for me, Irish whiskey is like my go to. If people don't really like whiskey, I'll introduce them to something yeah. triple distilled and very mellow and. Sweet. I like Whistle Pig, Redbreast. Mm-hmm. You know, Whistle Pig is Canadian whiskey. Is it really? I mean, technically, yes. Shut up. Actually, wait a second. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm serious. I thought some but of it's right. they don't. They don't. They, make they it don't add. They make it in Canada, but they don't add neutral grain spirit to it. So it is at least a. a well, it's 100 percent rye, but it's also it yeah. The 10 years Alberta from MGP, but some of it, like the 12 and the 15 year, I think they're pulling stuff from uh, Indiana, if I remember correctly. Are they now? It's a mix. I feel and dirty. Most of their stuff used to be from Canada. Well, the, yeah, the ten, the one they won the awards for was was Alberta MGP, and then the um, uh, the Farmstock whiskeys they've been distill like growing their own grains, distilling them, and barrel aging them. So now they've had ones that are like ten percent of their one year old whiskey and twenty percent of their two year old whiskey, and so eventually they'll have their own ten year hundred percent hundred proof rye. Yeah. <laughs> But not today. I just hey. I find it interesting that Joe likes Canadian whiskey. After no, that. I don't. Stop it. I'm going to spread that rumor. Everybody spread that rumor. Hashtag went, Joe likes Canadian whiskey. Thing. I went to uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. I know we're going to talk about polity in a minute. We are. And I, I went to the train wreck. I mean, the Southern Baptist Convention in Anaheim, California. Found the cigar bar with like a speakeasy entrance into a full bar. It was it was amazing. They were super cool. They all knew my name. They learned my name. They just t- took care of me. Didn't make me pay to go into the back in the members lounge, all this stuff. They had a full bar. And I, I said, uh, well, what do you got here? I'm looking. And I thought, oh, you got, I'll, I'll have some whistle pig. And he goes, which one? They had all of them. Wow. And I said, just, just give me the 10 year. And uh, so I'm drinking. And I said, make it a double, you know, because uh, I ain't playing. And um, so I'm sitting there, I'm smoking a cigar. I'm actually you taking are some the notes. train wreck after all. Yeah, I know. That's right? why you need the double. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all by myself. It's the first time. I, it's the first day I'm there. And this guy walks in. He's been chatting me up. He's a, he's a regular. He's like, hey, what you drinking? I go, oh, whistle pig. And he goes, how much does that cost? And I go, I didn't ask. What did a double of whistle pig in California cost me? Want to guess? 40 bucks. Yep. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I was like, I'm done with Whistle Pig. I yeah, don't know what we're doing any more of that. So yeah, I so. know. What the heck? Jeepers! Yeah, then I just went. I said, just give me an old fashioned with uh, <laughs> with bullet, and half, it was like ten ten dollars. It was fine. So like so half the bottle. Speaking of, and, and it's funny because we're drinking bullet tonight. I haven't had bullet in a long time, except I had some last night, and I I saw Bob Dylan last night in concert. Amazing. Really. Yeah, Wait, but he's still touring. Bo- he's 81 years old and wow. he is still touring. He released wow. a new album a couple of years ago. Fantastic. But 
It's wow. super metal, Joe. You'd, you'd love it. It's all depressing yeah. and slow and sad, but Me- metal's it's, metal, not it's metal without metal music. Metal yeah. is not depressing. Metal oh, sorry, is... it's emo, I mean. Yeah, there you go. I don't listen to that. <laughs> metal, metal, you're saying though, real, not like, not like Motley Crue, like metal, death metal is like, the world is a dark, scary place, death, affliction, struggle, but we're not punking oh. out. We're moving, we're persevering. That's metal. You don't okay, listen to so metal yeah, and cry. Yeah, Bob Dylan's new album is metal then. Yeah, okay, but so, so the bar there had like three whiskeys at this venue and Bullet was one of them. I was like, all right, I'll get a, a single of Bullet and it was a small, maybe an ounce and a half. It was a tiny pour, 15 bucks. <laughs> but I was like, I have to have whiskey while I watch Dylan. Yeah. 15 bucks and the bottle I just bought today cost me 30. So I literally yeah. paid half the price of the oh. bottle for nothing last night. This is why you for drink at home with friends. That's yeah. why you do it. That's right. Yeah. Or in this case, remotely with friends. Uh, with people you barely know. That's right. You know? <laughs> but in my case, I know Eric. I love Eric. Eric and his wife, they're awesome. Yeah. yeah. There isn't. If it wasn't anyway, for Eric, I wouldn't silence. come on your podcast. I'd be like, I don't know these guys. That's fair. I, 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 I don't, I don't want to. Why do I want to go on podcasts? I don't yeah. care. I'm busy, man. I could be yeah, watching you the last podcasting. hour. I, listen, I don't listen to Christian podcasts because they're, you know. That's fair. <gasps> um. I have checked out your podcast and it is good because it, again, it's like ours. I like conversation. That's what yeah. I like. I like conversation. That's why we started doctrine and devotion. Cause of all the reformed, it was just lectures and sermons. Like, so in 2016, we're like, let's have a conversation and have fun because nobody's doing it right now. And, uh, it's great. So like, that's, that's what I listen to. That's what I like. And so now we have some Christian podcasts that are actually doing that. It's, it's, uh, it's really good. But Eric, man. Thank you for paving the you, way for us, Joe. You, I didn't pave any way. But you guys are all, I love you and your wife. You guys are such an encouragement. Your faith, for real, man. Your faith, your perseverance, your attitude. It's really good. Thank you, brother. You know this is live. We're recording this. Stop it. <laughs> That's why I'm <laughs> saying it. Oh, if it wasn't recorded, I wouldn't compliment you. Oh, of just, just, before, me. <laughs> just before we started uh, the Zoom call, I was talking, I was talking to Aris, chatting with him and uh, telling him like, He's like, ah, I don't know what I'm going to say. Like, I'm not prepared. And he's always, he's always saying that before he comes on. He's like, oh, I don't have anything to say. I'm not very smart. And we're like, Eric, you're the most, <laughs> you're like the most humble, yeah. you're like the most humble guy. You're super smart. You're always coming up with these great, these great yeah. questions. And he's like, he's like, stop. I'm like, I'm like, keep it up. Keep being humble. To I'm going to love you even harder now. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you don't have to read the whole text. But what I'm saying, oh my I, I just want to point out that our, our episode on hermardiology with Eric, Eric's like, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to add. So I'm just going to throw out random tasting notes during the episode. And then he brings out the fourfold state of man and all this like really detailed Charming. good stuff about i did sin. throw out a lot of tasting notes and then Why he'd just be this? like yeah banana <laughs> you're like the anti-owen strand <laughs> yeah that's what you are eric because, i am 511 like, you know you well, I'm the, so obviously you know you wear adult-sized clothes <laughs> yes you know you don't have to sit in a booster seat at the theater right and you're humble so there you go oh no <laughs> this isn't live right oh yeah we're, we're all the live. but you know oh, what is we, it? we oh. have we have gone on record confronting um certain and we can talk about it a bit in polity probably certain yep. uh baptists who give who are giving reformed baptists a bad name um yeah. by just and, and, and it confuses me i'm like why is this the hill you're gonna die on if if, right. if you're really like hey these cultural issues are super pressing and this is really important like, why are you going to go die on this hill when there's other believers that agree with you on that? And you're going to be like, nah, you guys like Nicaea too much. Or like, well, we really shouldn't <laughs> hold the, to, you know, the creeds are, are fallible and, and we shouldn't hold the creeds up. And, and someone was like, okay, well, which part of the Nicene Creed is unbiblical? 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like which part yeah. would you like to amend, sir? No, listen, uh, me smart, me smarter, me smartest. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I am my it. own creed. I am my own confession. I don't need anybody else telling me what to believe. It's the priesthood of this believer. Okay. That's what I, you know, that's it. This is the way. Uh, and speaking <laughs> of the way we, we got, we got a transition so we can actually talk about some, oh, yeah. some Baptisty things. Okay. Uh, to my chagrin, I've really been stalling this whole time. But uh, why is it that the Presbyterian is the one trying to get us to talk about Baptist? Because things? decent in an order, Eric. <laughs> because we may be a circus, but we're decent. Blake, in Mar- an order Blake married a Baptist. He can't help it. I, yeah. He loves yeah, us. She, he, would, you he would really? get an earful. Yeah, yeah. but she, she would li- get but, an earful but, if if he didn't steer it to Baptist. Here's things. the thing: she will, and, and she'll she'll agree with this. She likes the Presbyterian polity, so. Right. You know. So okay. here we are. But she's but she's credo when it comes to baptism in her own kind of mind. Something like that. Yeah, straight, yeah. Joe. All right, Joe. Sounds like this a beautiful woman. You on. Sounds like a beautiful She's woman. She's good. I'm a very, I'm a very lucky man. Very blessed. We don't say lucky. We don't believe in that. There's no such thing as luck. Uh, who wants to read our prayer tonight? Page seventy, Valley of Vision. Justin, you got, you got it. All right. I got it right here. Uh, by the way, everybody, if you don't have a Valley of Vision, anybody who's listening, please get one. We Actually, cannot recommend it enough. No, get, hey, get the leather well, bound version. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Course. And while we have Joe on, hey Joe, tell people about the uh, the walk through Valley of Vision that you created. Do you still have that link oh, up? Goodness, that's still accessible. It's not. So, by the way, get get the get the like goatskin leather version of it because oh now gosh. they have a goatskin, and I know it's it's like a hundred bucks, but it's if you believe in it, well, like you, I you, I love it. It's gonna keep it for the rest of my life. That's what I got. All right. Um, so yeah, I love the Valley Vision. Been using it forever. Um, I don't know, I don't know how many years I've been using it, but um, uh, but I like it a lot. And so I started using it sort of systematically because that's you know I'm sort of Presbyterian in that way. I like order. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I put together a way of using it so that uh, essentially five days a week, three times a day, I put together a schedule that tells me which one to read. And I read it basically if when I'm doing that, it's at like 9 a.m., 12 p.m., and 3 p.m. I set an alarm on my phone and it just goes off and I go to the back and I go, oh, this is today. It's what I read. And so uh, I have honestly no idea where to find it. But if you Google Valley of yeah. Vision prayer guide, you'll find it and uh, you can download it and put it in. But it only works with yeah. either the the leather bound version or the goat skin version doesn't work with the, uh, the page the numbers are different. Yeah. Yeah. The paperback. <clears throat> yeah. Search Joe Thorne, Valley vision. Oh, yeah, something like that. You I, should, he, yeah. he published something on it on, uh, yeah, it's that. on Joe Thorne. I've done it. Valley. So there you go. Beautiful. The more, you know, so yeah, get one. We gift these to people regularly in our mm-hmm. church as well for that reason. Um, but if you do have one and you do have the proper version Uh, turn to page 70 Uh, the prayer is called God in myself Uh, so let's pray Lord God almighty thy understanding is unsearchable and infinite thy arm cannot be stayed thy agency extends through limitless space all works hang on thy care with thee time is a present now holy is thy wisdom power mercy ways works how can I stand before thee with my numberless and aggravated offenses I have often loved darkness, observing lying vanities, forsaken thy given mercies, trampled underfoot thy beloved son, mocked thy providences, flattered thee with my lips, broken thy covenant. It is of thy compassion that I am not consumed. Lead me to repentance and save me from despair. Let me come to thee renouncing, condemning, loathing myself, but hoping in the grace that flows even to the chief of sinners. At thy cross, 
May I contemplate the evil of my sin and abhor it. Look on him who I, whom I pierced as one slain for me and by me. May I never despise his death by fearing its efficacy for my salvation. And whatever cross I am required to bear, let me see him carrying a heavier. Teach me in health to think of sickness, in the brightest hours to be ready for darkness, in life prepare me for death. Thus my soul rest in thee, O immortal and transcendent one, revealed as thou art in person and work of thy Son, the friend of sinners. Amen. Amen. So I good. love it. Every time. I love it. So, we're thrilled to have Joe on, and the reason that the Presbyterian is outnumbered by the Baptist is because we're talking about Baptist polity tonight. Um, and I'm really excited about this, because I think of all of the differences between 1689ers and Westminster-affirming Presbyterians, um, obviously baptism is the one everyone's going to go to, but I think our polity represents an important distinction between us in how we understand uh, the way that the church is governed and the way that churches interact with mm-hmm. one another. Um, and I, I'm really excited to get into that with you guys tonight. So Joe, I guess just to start us off, could you tell us, I know we texted about this a little bit, but tell us what polity um, your church follows and maybe a little bit of the of the why, and then we can dig into what some of those things mean. Yeah. Well, it's actually not completely unlike some Presbyterian, most Presbyterian churches where you do vote. You know, you guys vote. I mean, I've, I've talked to, um, goodness, a number of, of, of Presbyterian pastors, and uh, they're not like elder rule Mars Hill style churches where there is no congregational <laughs> affirmation and voting like you right. guys vote, too. Um, because that's a biblical thing. But for Baptists, uh, we believe in a congregational model of polity. And of course, like any model of polity, there are good versions and bad versions of congregational polity. There's congregational polity where you vote on everything. You're voting on the color of the drapes. You're voting on everything. (laughs) Uh, And then there is a a congregational polity, which is more simplified and and streamlined. Uh, But congregational polity essentially requires that the congregation becomes uh, a final matter of conviction and authority when it comes to the appointment of leadership, uh, when it comes to the reception of members, right? Like so, and that would then therefore be a part of church discipline when it, you know, certainly when it goes public. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also maintain a plurality of elders who function in parity. Now, parity means, again, unlike modern elder-ruled churches that are not denominational, parity means that every elder has the same level of authority, uh, whether they be a a ruling elder or a teaching elder or an executive elder or a staff elder and a volunteer elder or a lay elder. So uh, in your typical Reformed Baptist church, uh, pastors are pastors, elders are elders, it's all the same thing, and I don't get a bigger piece of the leadership pie because I'm the lead pastor. That's my title. But it is almost meaningless because all we really mean is that Joe's the guy that does most of the preaching and casts vision for the church, right? He's the, he's the guy that's out front more than the others. But I, I get shot down all the time from the elder elders when I go, got a great idea, guys, check it out. And I cast this vision and they go, and the smart ones are like, good idea, five problems that will make it untenable. Here's what they are. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I'm glad we have you. So, um, so that, that's how it is. And now in our case, um, we're very clear with our, with our newcomers when they're coming into the church. We are a congregational church, which means 
that the church can vote on leadership, elders and deacons. They vote on membership, who comes in, who goes out, even related to church discipline. And we actually, though, I don't think this is biblically required, but we think it is absolutely critically important today. We vote on the budget. Uh, we, we present a budget to the congregation that is clear and transparent. They know what I make. They know what my insurance cost is. They know what Pastor Pat makes and Jimmy. They, they can see it all. Like there's there's no like just one big pot called staff. And like, right. well, we don't really know how it all uh, shakes out. <laughs> Everybody knows how it shakes out. So then uh, they vote on that. And uh, and they can seek they they can move to amend it at one of our members' meetings. They can be like you know what this is good, but we think more should be going here. All right, let's discuss that. All in favor, boom boom. So uh, we don't vote on everything, but we vote on essentially we vote on leadership, membership, and budget. And we're big on communication uh, and transparency. Which whether you're Presbyterian or Baptist, uh, or even if you're st- strong elder rule and you have no congregational input, which is unwise, uh, you, if you're not communicating and being transparent, you're going. The church is going to eventually implode. It won't work. Well, that's the shortest way that I could explain it. That's great. So, in this polity, the elders are answerable to the congregation rather than uh, uh, elders of other churches. Yes. Yeah, that is a distinction between us and Presbyterians. Mm-hmm. So um, we there is no hierarchy outside of the local church that can tell us what to do. Uh, when we cooperate with other it, within an association of churches, they can admit us or reject us. They can remove us or accept us, uh, but they can't tell us how to function. Uh, but in a healthy association, and I just had Sam Renahan on our podcast talking about healthy association. Great episode. Um, Highly recommend it. Because the Sam affirms that agreed. episode too. Go check it out. Yep. Yeah, right. Sam, you guys have had Sam on. He's, I mean, Sam is just golden. Oh my gosh. And he likes metal. So like, mm-hmm. obviously he's enlightened, sanctified. And whiskey. Yeah. And he likes, yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the movies or the books? That's yeah. too much to ask for both. The movies are trash. The movies are trash. Bro. The movies won't hold up. In 10 more years, those movies will be an embarrassment. All right. Anyways. Oh, no. All right. You're going right. to set Blake Canceled. off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We're, we're changing the episode. Yeah. You Presbyterians are so delicate. Yeah. yeah. No, in, in reality, here's what I always tell my Presbyterian friends, because I actually have a lot of you know interactions with them at conferences and whatnot. I, I genuinely mean this. I view Presbyterians as our older, because this is true, our older, more sophisticated brothers. You guys, you know, you guys have been at it longer. Uh, you guys have paved the way and we've deviated from you in our minds. Like we've like, we've been faithful and we've transitioned, but um, like we have nothing but love. Healthy Baptists have nothing but love and respect and admiration for our baby sprinkling brothers and sisters. Uh, we, we love you guys. We are indebted to you greatly. And, uh, and yeah, like, okay. So we live in a trailer you know, not a van, but a trailer by the river. You guys live in McMansions. Okay. You know, like you're Presbyterians, you got a little more going on. Uh, but, uh, but, we, but we absolutely love you guys and desperately, deeply indebted to you for what you have done. Uh, and that's part of what Baptists, you know, Baptists have long been trying to establish, you know, especially in the 17th century, like, hey, we're not crazy. We're not Anabaptists. We're not nut jobs. We're like you in a lot of ways. That's why we ripped you off. <laughs> <laughs> and took the Westminster and the Savoy and put together this yep. thing. 
Uh, and you might not like all of it, but you hopefully you can see that we're with you and mm-hmm. we're not weirdos, or at least we're not unorthodox weirdos. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I, yeah. I would affirm that. Like we've had James Dolezal, Matthew Barrett on, Sam Renahan, um, all amazing creative Baptist brethren speaking about the things that we share most core in our conviction. And I know you had um, uh, Steve Meister on and a couple others recently talking about sola scriptura, talking about classical theism, Matthew Barrett. Um, and it's like, yeah, these are the points of unity and we should be coming yep. together and not being like, well, you're quoting Aquinas. I love your episode with uh, Richard Barcellus about that. That was good. If you guys uh, listening to this haven't heard that, go over to Doctrine and Devotion and listen to the episode with Richard Barcellus about, uh, is it all? <laughs> is it really about Aquinas? Because <laughs> it, it, it amazes me that some folks, it seems in their desire to be distinct, their understanding of Semper Reformanda, unlike what it actually means, like right. bringing the church back to her confession uh, and away from the errors that Rome had had really developed. And, and I think, uh, I haven't gotten through the whole volume, but Mike Horton's volumes on justification talk a little bit about this history. And it's like, really, the, 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 the Trentine errors, if you will, really weren't that far ahead of the Reformation, like maybe a couple hundred years. There were other problems. You know, you wouldn't really get like a sola fide, sola gratia comment from somebody, you know, three or 400 years earlier, but you weren't quite at the errors that that Rome was in uh, at the time of the Reformation until a couple hundred years beforehand. It's not this centuries and and millennia that they, that they claim. Um, Right. And yet we're all coming back to this heritage. And there's some guys who though seem to have this inclination to, to push away um, so it's encouraging to hear the difference there. Now you, you mentioned briefly the difference of like presbyteries versus in the, the, the elders being accountable to elders in, in the presbytery of, of other churches, uh, versus to the congregation. I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Um, how does, how does associationalism work I, I, in your particular context? We'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll particularize it because you guys are particular Baptists. Right. Well, and here, and here's the rub. We're in the Southern Baptist convention. Okay, so <laughs> I, I love this the best convention, yeah. <laughs> and and part of what I like about it is that it is Big Ten, and so we actually have influence right towards other Southern Baptists, and I've, I mean, I can say like we our church has had has helped other, a number of other churches go through revitalization processes, uh, become confessional. Uh, we we've helped, and we're a small church, like we're not anybody, we're not a, we're not a big deal. But um, but we've been able to do that. And so I like the Big Ten and I, I'm ready to learn from anybody, man. I'll learn. I'll learn from Rick Warren. There's some way, I'm sure there's some way, that I, like, you know, uh, but like but like not in his pragmatism. Right. Obviously, yeah. I'm going to disagree with him on so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like listen, man. I if somebody's doing something that's biblical and good and they're strong in an area where I'm weak, I'm ready to learn. So like, man, I don't care. Lutheran, Presbyterian, non-denominational. I'm ready. to learn. So I like the Big Ten. So associationalism uh, for us really comes down to the benefits of having a large convention where we have some good seminaries. We have things like disaster relief. We have an international missions board. And Bart Barber, when he was on our podcast, he made this point, right? Like some people want to pull out because, oh, there's corruption over here or there's abuses over here or, you know, whatever. And um, he goes, sure, we have we have problems. But uh for those of you that are thinking of living, and really, he was talking to the Reformed Baptists without saying it. He said, how many missionaries do you imagine believe exactly what you believe? 
are confessionally reformed, he's like at least 100. At least 100 on the field, confessionally reformed. Where are you going to go where you're going to have that? You're going to leave the SBC and go somewhere else and have one? Maybe. So there are benefits to to our large cooperative efforts that allow Mm -hmm. for, in the midst of diversity, some really really good strengths. Um, But the size of it is a problem. And then locally, it's a disaster. Uh, I was I was a part of the local association here for years. I was the vice moderator. I had to do the Roberts Rules of Order, do the whole thing, put my sport coat on, all that. Hide my tattoos and my nipple rings, whatever. I can, and, I can um, picture it. Yeah, yeah. And like you know, you try to go in with just like your sport coat on, with no shirt on, and they see the rings and they're like, "What's up?" Like this is not cool. So then you learn. I got to wear a shirt with a tie. Right. Like that. Okay, that never happened. But the point is. Um, <laughs> But it was just, it was just, I mean, it was, it was just not healthy. And even if it was healthy, let's just say it was a healthy functioning local association of Southern Baptists. I'm not going to have a lot in common with most of the Southern Baptist churches because they're not, they don't adhere to the same confession. We don't have the same philosophy of ministry. So in a narrower uh, mm. association like that you would have with Presbyterianism or a Reformed Baptist network or association, uh, it, there's much more help there. So in principle, among Baptists, when you are cooperating, when you need help, you have it. When you need pulpit supply, you have it. If there's a problem, they know you can reach out and get help from people that you actually trust. And this was actually something that we had with Acts 29 for a number of years. I was the first Chicago land Acts 29 church, right? That was when we, when I, when we, when I got in, there was nobody else. And, um, but within that, our people knew Acts 29, and they trusted Acts 29, and so they were able, if we had a problem, we could approach them and say, hey, Scott Thomas, we have a problem, would you come in and help us through this? And they, they understood that, because we had some core, you know, convictional um, ideolo- ideologies that we held together. It's a little bit harder within the SBC in that matter, so. You brought up, you brought up missionaries, and we're talking about Baptist polity, and we're talking about an elder being accountable to its congregation. And you have missionaries planting churches in unreached parts of the world. Um, so how important is a Baptist polity in a place where there's one church being planted? How necessary is that? And, and can the Presbyterian uh, version of polity even be sustainable in that? Nice. The, the Presbyterian version or the Baptist version? Well, can, is it even possible to establish a Presbyterian polity if you are in unreached parts of the world and you're establishing a a a single church, isn't it, isn't it necessary for the elders of those churches to be answerable to the congregation? All right. What are you trying I'm to say, Paul you. Stanley? Paul Stanley's <laughs> like, he's like getting ready to say something. No, no, I'm asking no, you. No, you go ahead. Okay. I, I have, I have thoughts. So it's the same, Baptists face the same problem, right? right? It, 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 it's no different. All right. So who, who is that planter pastor accountable to? Because it's not the job of the denomination to plant churches. Churches plant churches. Right. Right. So who has authority? Who has oversight? Now, in the Southern Baptist model, it's messy because we have an international mission board that is, you know, overseeing and sending these missionaries who are endorsed by a local church. Um, But it's a it's a little it's a little messier. Right. And and there there are ways in which in the SBC that this is, you know, not gone so well, for sure. Um, we have a couple in our church, a family in our church, and they joined our church after they were already missionaries on the mission field. And uh, they're IMB missionaries in an area where you're not supposed to be. 
if you're making disciples and preaching the gospel mm-hmm. and they are 1689 awesome like they're people like they're like there are people and they're up there oh they're just awesome they're super cool so when they come back they come back to us they get to testify here's what's going on like share some videos and stuff like that um so we have you know some uh some some input you know oversight some care for them and whatnot but i don't think it's much different because the, the the Presbyterian planter is going to have the same issue. Who to who do I answer? Mm-hmm. Uh, who's caring for me? Uh, who's responsible? So when we send out planters, they are members of our church. We are responsible. We can pull the plug at any time when we send out a church planter. When you start working through missions agencies like the SBC, things get more muddy and complicated. It's it's not neat and clean. I, I'm not even talking about the missionaries themselves. I'm oh. I'm asking about the churches. The church is in these new unreached territories right. where there's a pastor of that church at some point, right? Missionary plants the church, you have a pastor, but you don't have a presbytery out there. That pastor must be accountable to his flock that he's teaching, right? Yeah, and, and they would be accountable, I'm assuming, back home. I mean, because I'm not a Presbyterian. So I, I don't know. And, you know, Paul Stanley could tell us uh, what. Oh, my gosh. You do look like Paul Stanley. I'm just saying. I'll Shave off it. that goatee. You're Paul Stanley. I'll take and it. He's a handsome dude. That's not an insult. I'm you know, there, so so I will say this. This is totally off the charts, but you you brought this up. Um, one, someone who I've worked with sent me a photo of Salvador, Salvador Dali. Young, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. that looks I you just were like that you had your nipple pierced. No, I have not. Uh, that looks like me without the goatee. Like young Salvador yeah. Dali looks like me, which is I don't know how to feel or, about that. Or Salvador I mean, Dali. Yeah. Before we started recording, Justin surprised me. I was just fully <clears throat> expecting you to surprise me with something, Blake. Like, hey, by the way, Joe convinced me to get my nipple pierced before the show. That's no, that's no, a, no. That's I, I was just going to yeah. toss in a very. This isn't yeah. the Presby episode, so I won't go long. But I will yeah. say. Um, yeah. Now, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember if it was on Reformed Forum or if it was PresbyCast, because Chortles Weekly went on one and Camden went on the other, so I, I don't know which one it was. But one of their shows recently, after GA, uh, they talked about like naming denominations and what a pain it was to name the OPC and what a pain it was to name the PCA after they left the PCUS. But they Seriously, spoke, they could have come up with cooler names. Well, so real. so they did have, if you listen to that, I think it was Reformed Forum, if you listen to that episode, there was a name that was like... <laughs> Uh, the true Presbyterian Church was, I think, one of the names, <laughs> one of the names that was in, in consideration. So oh, it's so awesome. I love it. There were, there was also, you know, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, which thankfully OPC and PCA didn't go that way because that's a that's a mess and a half. Um, however, so, so that said, um, they did talk a little bit about uh, the missions. And if I remember correctly, my history, part of the problem with the PCUS and why the PCA split was this issue of the missions because they were sending people as a denomination and not giving any kind of doctrinal expectation. So these missions boards were just not accountable. So the PCA does have accountable missions boards and Camden and and Brad were talking and they mentioned, at least in the OPC, and I'm pretty sure it's similar in the PCA, like their goal is to establish multiple churches that are accountable within to, to each other in an area so that it's not like, here's the PCA and we're you know, overseeing a church in Chile or Chile. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're, we're hoping that there are, you know, the, the goal is to plant multiple churches in the region with locals that are accountable one to another. So, so to answer that question, Eric, from the Presby right. side, mm-hmm. that is part of the plan, at least in, in some of the Presby polity is right. like, you want to plant multiple churches and you want them accountable to each other. So they're not 
like trying to do zoom awkward zoom calls all the sure. time yeah um although it's a process you know, yeah although through covid there was you know all all the presbyteries were over uh zoom at least our presbytery was over zoom for a while which was kind of a strange which is why you guys weren't named the true presbyterian church that's yeah that's the true it. presbyterian church wouldn't meet over zoom they right. got time for zoom that's what that's <laughs> why the only perfect church is our you know our big brother the or little brother can we all listen can we all agree on this can we, i think we can all agree all the Presbyterian logos suck. Except no. the one except, that looks like Boba Fett. Except. PCUSA. Yeah. PCUSA has the best logo. No, the that PCA, is, that logo man. is fire. The PCA PCUSA logo, has the most fire logo. No, but the, well, literally the most fire, but the PCA logo is basically the Mandalorian helmet. It's awesome. Which the Mandalorian which came why, after. Which is why Blake likes it. I know. That's really the. <laughs> shh, don't tell my is wife. that why you're a Presbyterian? That's the real is reason. That why? There it is. The logo. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You heard PC it here. PCUSA logo is amazing. It is fire, but their tweets are straight. No, trash. of course. No, like, listen, like, I've seen them, like, talking about worship, <laughs> including Sophia in worship. Like, I don't have time for that. Well, uh, they were logo. also like, we, we mourn the Supreme Court decision. And well, they just yeah, got absolutely demolished in the in the QTs, you know, and they got ratio. You know, it's funny. The kids are saying. P- so just when like we this, plan- guys, look, it's got a, it's got the rainbow and everything. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's not the PCA. That's the. Oh, you can kind of see it. I can't see it. Here, here's the thing. The, I had a PCUSA church when uh, Redeemer was about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And this this uh, the pastor. She was asking me, um, what? what, 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 what? I don't know. What? Okay. So anyways, Esther, <laughs> she was asking me, she goes, uh, how are, she was like, how are you reaching people? What are you doing to attract millennials? Cause we were growing with a lot of millennials. And I said, uh, we're more liturgical. We're, um, we, we, we have a pastor that write, writes books that hold no, people's no, attention. Nobody They're short that. attention spans. <laughs> By the way, when my books came out, my church didn't even know when my books came out. But no, I was like, no, like we say our worship services are an hour and a half long. I preach for 40 minutes. Mm. We, uh, we, we have six songs. Most of them are hymns. Um, we have small groups. Like we're not doing it. We're not targeting anybody. We're not targeting millennials. But we preach Jesus and the gospel and the rich reformed heritage. That's, that's what we do. I mean, we're not really trying to do anything other than simple church. Who, who knew that there was a thirst for the truth uh, out there? Who knew? Well, I'll tell oh, you, yeah. I'll be mean, so many people, like people that have come to our church, uh, the, the, the transplants that have come to our church have, have come from either IFB churches, super fundamentalistic, hardcore, legalistic, going to hell, pastor kind of churches, or they come from uh, big mega churches and they're like, we're done, especially millennials. The millennials that have come yeah, our way are like, we ain't got, I'm not a millennial, I'm an X Gen X guy. But they're like, we don't, we grew up with that. And when we went to college, we partied and had sex and we went off the rails and now we're coming back, but we don't want to go back to that. We want to have something that's right. more real. Is what, so is so the you're getting folks from Saddleback is what you're saying. Oh. We're getting Saddleback <laughs> Sam and Saddleback Sally. Uh, well, they're kids. I guess we're getting their kids. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. we would get. I was just going to show, show our patrons here. Look at that. That beautiful logo. Oh, it's so yeah. bad, dude. Straight it's up the just, Mandalorian. Listen, Come on. It's no, you, like, look. You'd have to really love Star Wars to like that. Listen, that PCA, <laughs> the PCA Who logo Star Wars is garbage. The SBC <laughs> Sorry, logo Blake. was garbage for decades, and we finally got a new one, which is better. But still, man. Well, speaking of that, so so we both had our, I, I don't know what it's called for the, the SBC. PCA had the General Assembly. The, it's called the Southern Baptist Convention. That's it. That is what the meeting is called? 
Yep, it's the Southern Baptist. It only exists for two days. That's that's wild. Um, so we've we've talked about this a little bit on the show. When I um I was hanging out with Tony Arsenal from Reform Brotherhood, and I mentioned uh the now infamous Rick Warren spiel on the floor there at at uh, the convention. Yeah, and yeah. you know I'm a glutton for punishment, so I listened to the whole seven minute bloviation, and it was painful. I what? mean, it was cool, but it was kind of like what? here, look at look at my like. Look at my pedigree, you know, and look at all these things. What are you I've talking done. about? I know. It was just. Are you humble... not entertained? Are you not entertained? <laughs> oh, I was very entertained. Um, I was glad it was not my circus. I'm glad the PCA is, you know, decent and in order in our circuses. Um, I'll tell was, you this: it's hard. Like it was. I haven't experienced that much cringe since uh, the second Halloween. Since you watched that uh, Creed video. No, no, no. Oh, not even close. Creed video is elevated above that Rick Warren speech. No, man, I saw the the second installment of the of the of the trilogy of the Halloween oh, yeah. sequels. Oof. And uh, Halloween 2018, brilliant, amazing, love it, perfection. The second one was Rick Warren cringe. It was bad, and we were like, I was sitting with people, and we were, and and people were like, why are they applauding? Why does everybody applaud? Because people are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hey, like people start applauding. Yeah. But really, like Where's most Paul of us Washer were like, when you need him. This is really this is really embarrassing. This yeah. guy, this guy, and it was nice because I was talking to the SBC president about it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, it was pretty. He was bragging, and he was like, well, that's how it came off. I'm like, it came off that way. Because he was bragging, he was like he was making a big deal about what he did, yeah, and it yeah. just didn't. Yeah, it was it was bad, dude. It was cringy. It was rough. Yeah. So, but that said, there so, there were some good things to come out of the convention yeah. this year, I think. Um, like the memes. <laughs> well, could you? The memes were the memes awesome. were great. Listen, That's as a Presbyterian, of it. <laughs> I, I have a friend who's uh, who's Dutch Reformed and who's like, look, I'm the biggest polity nerd in the world. I wouldn't have wanted to be within a hundred miles of that convention this year because there was so much craziness going on. Um, so as someone who was there and whose church is, is in this association, obviously you've got Reformed Baptist, you've got Free Will Baptist, you've got all, all of this, this mix. How does that congregational polity and then associationalism and in this Big Ten association, as, you, as you've talked about, like, how does that all flow? Because I, I, I genuinely don't know. As a Presbyterian, I know how General Assembly affects my presbytery and um, my deno- my church, and I know that like the overtures that pass are now going to have to go to all the presbyteries, and it's some of them are not going to pass, which is unfortunate. Um, they're just like the electoral college; they're just not going to get enough of that vote that they need to pass, and it's just going to be, you know, on to another year of of presbyterians doing presby things. Um, but in the SBC, I'm less clear how those things, so how decisions that are made, how committees uh, affect the individual churches that are associated. So if you could speak a little bit to that in your own church, how do those study committees or or reports affect your church in the the day in, day out, if at all? Uh, Okay, so we pass a lot of resolutions. And resolutions uh, don't mean anything. (laughs) Uh, They basically, they essentially reflect the spirit and the thought of a particular convention on a particular year. That's all that it is. They're not binding They're on any church. They just express the spirit and the, and the thinking of a particular convention. So it's helpful to know kind of where we're at through those resolutions. We've passed resolutions sure. that are pro-abortion back in the day, uh, resolutions that are 
racist back in the day. You can look, you can look it up. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, we've passed some bad ones and some good ones. So the resolutions are what they are. Um, and then we instruct the, you know, the, the, the convention itself can instruct the, uh, the entities to a certain degree. And so maybe, the, you know, the, the, what you guys probably are already know is two years ago, we were in Nashville and uh, we wanted to make a motion that the, that there be an independent study, an independent investigation, third party into the executive committee and the allegations that they mishandled uh, testimonies of abuse, sexual abuse. And they tried to like, nah, we're not doing that. So uh, homeboy stood up and he was like, uh, I would like to move that we overrule the, 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 the platform, basically, and, and, would, and their decision to refer this to the executive committee, which runs the convention in between our annual meetings, and vote now to say we want an independent investigation that will waive attorney-client privilege. And there were 15,000 people in the room. I was there. And the vast majority were like, let's do that because we want to know what's going on. That's cool. So when this all came out through Guidestone and the Sexual Abuse Task Force, when it all came out, like it wasn't like an investigation that exposed us. We demanded, the people demanded, we want to know what's going on. That's cool. I like that. So now we get this information back. And it's one of the things that I told our church because our church, I'll tell you right now, uh, if our church has the understanding that leadership in our convention are covering up sexual abuse and not dealing with it, they will bail. They will yeah. cut ties and not feel bad about it for a second. We'll join somebody else. Um, but we, we're the ones that said, we want to know what's going on. So let it, let's hear the truth. And then the task force said, okay, we, now we know what's going on through guideposts. Here's what we're recommending that we do. First steps, which were good. And we're like, okay, this is a good first step. So this is great. So um, much of what happens at the level of the convention is determined by the will of the people, much of it. Um, and it's supposed to happen in accordance with our confessional statement, which no church is obliged to actually affirm. Anyways, um, that's a whole nother problem. Cringes in Presbyterian. Cringes in... <laughs> A large Baptist. section of Baptists, yeah, yeah. too. Fair like, enough, like, fair why, how are we not? Why do you not? Listen, are, are the BFNM, I love, I like to say it that way, the BFNM, the Baptist Faith and Message, uh, 2000, it's fine. It's not, it's, it's poorly worded, but it's, it, it's fine. We can cooperate around that. Yeah. But you don't even have to affirm it to really be a part of the SBC. Well, I, I think it's really important, too, to make a note here that when I mean, you had Sam on your podcast earlier um I don't, i'm not sure is their church part of the sbc no, no. They, no they, they are, are. Yeah, they are particular so association it, if i remember yeah correctly. that is yeah so so i also think it's important because it's, this is a podcast on baptist polity that the sbc is not the end-all be-all of mm -hmm. baptist polity by any means this no. is this is one uh, manifestation of right. Baptist polity. The one with there's, racist there's origins, other, yeah. <laughs> right. There are better ones out there that might require a church to be part of the association to affirm a confession. Yeah. You know, and they, and they should. Like, we should, if you want to be a part of the SBC, the, what we have in the SBC is we have local associations, 
which are reg very regional. And it, for me, I would be a part of the Fox Valley Baptist Association. So you got Chicago, right? And then you, we're, we're out west, so we're the suburb. And uh, there's like a million people. And uh, so we had like 20-something churches. All the Anglo churches were dying when I was a part of that association, all of them, except for one. And that was the one that I planted. Um, at the time, <laughs> like okay, Rick Warren. Warren. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Before you laugh, let me just say how many people I've personally oh. discipled and mentored and trained on. <laughs> yes? Any guesses? 1.1 million people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. Um, Amazing. So, like, yeah, you, you have the local association, then you have the state convention or association, and then you have the national. So if you, you can join the local, become a part of the state, and become a part of the national, or you can skip it all and go straight to the national, or you can just skip it and go to the state. But I don't think you should be allowed to be a part of the SBC unless you go to the state at least. Mm -hmm. And say, I can sign off. We can sign off on the BFNM. It's fine. Mm -hmm. We agree. It's pretty We're broad. in general agreement. Yeah, it, it's not yeah. great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Justin it, it, and I it, tore up the uh, the section on uh, free will, if I remember correctly, or on baptism how specifically. How dare you? I know. Yeah. Well, Justin with the 1689, me with the Westminster, we were like, well, wait a second. Baptism is a little bit more than what you guys are saying. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I get that. That's big tent. I but mean, PCA is big tent Presbyterian. So I, I, if you can't yeah. affirm the BFNM, we have no business, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I, so here's the thing. I, I believe in subscription, right? And it, I think it is, I think there is a place for an exception, but they're small. And I think it should be determined by, you know, the, the, the larger group of, of churches that are part of that association. As long as you believe the Pope is the Antichrist, that's the one you cannot have an exception <laughs> I'll tell you right, on. I'm you fine with that. You can't have an exception on that. I don't have I'm an just, exception I'm, to that I'm, one. I'm joking. I have, a, I have a good friend. Actually, you know you know Chris. <laughs> the Pope is totally the Antichrist. Look at that hey, guy. I, I, you know what? Eyes. If he listens to this, I might be... Look like worried. Boris Karloff. <laughs> Listen, I was just going to say, so, so, so yeah. what you're saying is... Um, I lost my train of thought because I had the joke and oh, you guys man. kept talking. Oh, I'm ashamed of myself. Shame. Shame. Presbyterian. Talking about polity. Flat on his face. And yeah. based on what you said, Joe, there's, I think there's at least two, two more points I'd love to hear what you have to say on. Um, one, where do you see this in the Bible? Like, where are you drawing this polity from? What, what are you standing it's on as a exactly Baptist? Exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah. H yeah. Historically, where, where do we get this yep. polity from? And, and then the other thing that I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, you, you had brought up with your own church that you guys vote on leadership, membership, and carpets. Colors, Budget. Right? <laughs> Budget, I know. Just, yeah. Oh, I did remember my um, dig, by the way. Go. Well, you lost it. Now. No, 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 I got it. So is, what is you're still saying gonna be funny? is the 16... Is it... <laughs> it is funny. So what you're saying is the 1689 is the 69th book of the Bible. <laughs> well, no. uh, at least, no, yeah. at least. But you why, how did you get to sixty-nine when there's only sixty-six? Sixty-seven. Sorry, sixty-nine. Sorry, Presbyterians are not good at jokes. No, we're not. We're not. Listen, the jokes to the Baptists who live in the trailer park. Okay, we know how to joke. We don't know how to joke, but we, we're decent in. No, no, but. But that is an actual, we can circle back to subscription, but that is an actual thing I've seen people say is like, you're treating the confessions as the 67th book of the Bible, but I'll- More like the 29th chapter of Acts. Oh, we'll pocket that for later. Eric has a good question. I just derailed it because, you know, brain thoughts. No, but with your with your church, obviously, you know, don't give any specific stories, but how has that played out in your church? Have you seen um, 
members not be ex- people who wanted to be members not be accepted any people who wanted to be leaders not be accepted sure. how does that actually play out practically in real life and then right. justin and i would love to hear the biblical basis for the Baptist all right knowledge. so um the one member that almost didn't get in was steve mccoy um because he's such that. a yeah. lecherous person um yeah. people were like very concerned no uh <laughs> the, 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 when it comes to the recommendation of members the church really does have no choice but to trust the elders for most of those people, because we do a third, like, listen, to join Redeemer, you got to take a four hour class. You got to fill out a 30 pay, 30 question questionnaire. Uh, you got to meet with an elder and then the elders have to sign off. Then you got to be voted in by the membership only after we recommend you. And we'll follow up with your previous church. If there's any, if there's mm-hmm. any like thing going on. So they generally trust us, but they also know like at the members meeting, Oh, listen, I know that guy. He's a swinger because I swing with him with my wife. Like if they were to say something like that, <laughs> then we'd be like, oh, all right, we're going to put pause on this and we're going to investigate and we'll go further. Yeah. But we, we have both of you, in fact. Yeah, we're going to investigate everybody. Uh, not very smart of you, Travel or whoever. Like his member of our church. I'm just teasing. Yeah. So um, but when it comes to excommunication, uh, yeah, excommunication goes before the church. It's not something that the elders do. So when it comes to the removal of members, uh, we bring people up if they have transferred, if they have relocated. Some people just don't vibe with us anymore. Like during COVID, some people were like, you know what? Honestly, like some people felt like we didn't talk enough about social justice Mm -hmm. and they were out. We didn't change. How dare you? But they, yeah. So, uh, you know, and it's like, I, I specifically had somebody say, why don't you talk about Breonna Taylor? (laughs) <laughs> and I said, I will talk for hours at length about Breonna Taylor at the cigar shop or in my office. Mm-hmm. But from the pulpit, I'm just, I'm not, that's not what I do. Right. That's not what we do. So, um, so we had some people leave because of that. Some people felt we weren't conservative enough. Uh, they, they left. So some people will transfer out because they're just not with us convictionally. Some people will, relo- will relocate. And so we let the church know, hey, these people have moved on. This is why, do we, are we okay releasing them? Everybody votes. They're okay. When it comes to church discipline, if we've been around for 15 years, let's say we've had 10 to 12 cases of church discipline. If, we, if we've had 12, I can say 10 have all been resolved internally between the elders and them and the appropriate parties that were involved. People were repentant, restored, everything's great, no problem. Those that have gone on in impenitence have been brought before the church at some point where we say we're grieved, you know them, you love them. Here's the situation and uh, pray for them because if they don't repent, we're going to have to remove them from fellowship. And so there's weeping, there's praying. And then we come back and say, okay, there's still no repentance. It's time to now remove them. This is after a lengthy process. It's at least a year, if not more in most situations. And then we'll remove them from fellowship. It's only happened once. And once before it got public, but then the guy came back and repented. So that's how it works out practically uh, with us. All right. And so where do we see this in scripture? Okay. So I, I, I think let's, I'm comfortable saying that church polity isn't crystal clear in scripture, but there, there, you have to figure some things out and do your best. Point of order. Just kidding. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but let, let me tell you this. Wait, you don't, you don't find Robert's rules in scripture? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, what we don't use at our church is Robert rules of order. We don't use it. Um, I would like but, to bring an overture to the floor. I'm just kidding. Oh my God. 
you know how many how many people pushed at the last convention? How many pushed the point of order button? That's painful to me. I don't even want to know. It's it's so, I'm like, bro, you don't even know what it's for. Don't push that button. <laughs> What's your point of order? I just wanted to share some thoughts. Like, shut up. That's not a point of okay. Oh yeah, it's painful. <laughs> anyway. So um, so I think what what Baptists see in in the Book of Acts in particular, our church is cooperating together. We see cooperation. Uh, we see some level of accountability. Um, but we don't see a hierarchy in the way that the Presbyterians do. Now, they look at those same passages, and, and they recognize that there's a hierarchy there. And so I can totally respect that. Like I said, I, I see that. And believe me, a lot of thoughtful, conscientious Baptists like, like yeah. the idea. Yes, I, I I will admit right here as a Baptist that there is something very appealing about the Presbyterian right. order, yeah. about yeah. the Presbyterian polity. It, it it's clean, it's nice, it seems to make sense. The problem is total depravity. Anyway, well, and, I'll, on, and I'll be the first to say, <laughs> I think even in our good systems, there are times that it doesn't work. Right? Like I think sure. I, I think it's a good system. I'm Presbyterian mm-hmm. by conviction, not by convenience. Like I I, I think it's a good system. However, even that system has problems. It's not like it's abuse proof or it's, yeah. you know, uh, no system is no, or, or, or that you can't have a homosexual identifying man preaching and have like three years trying to say, Hey, you know, you probably shouldn't be preaching in our denomination. If Why are you, you say, so bigoted? yeah, I know. It if you sounds say like a specific instance, yeah, I know it's yeah, crazy. Very, like, very hateful and specific. Yeah, I know. It's almost like Overture 15 saying men who identify as homosexual and uh, <laughs> claim celibacy yet yet refuse to, to remove the identity. No, but I, I think there are there are difficulties with it, but I'm grateful for it. But it's been it's been cool to hear a little bit more perspective from the congregationalist side and that associationalism. And granted, as a Presbyterian, of course, I'm like, yeah, you guys should have a little bit more, you know, uh Upward accountability, if you will. But of course, right. I'm not an Anglican. You see, I'm not an Episcopalian. See, the, I don't yeah, want one yeah. guy sitting at the top saying this is the way it is. You know. Yeah, it's cool hearing from Joe and all Blake, but I mean, we brought the wrong guy on. We need Sam. He's part of the Right Association. <laughs> Joe's part of the SBC. No, that's, no, you that's know what? The yeah. Problem. You know what? We should have had Sam on to talk. No, about this, this is similar. So, so this is similar to my friends. <laughs> Love so, you, brother. So, so I know a couple people that left the the PCA over the last two years because of the things that have been happening. And they fled to the OPC or they went to some other, they made their own thing. And I'm like, the OPC, yeah, because they're so great. I love the OPC, but y'all left too soon. What are you doing? Like the confessionalists need to kind of stick together, you know, whatever, whatever term we use, like you guys left too soon. And so to churches that are in the SBC that are reformed Baptists, like you left too soon if you bailed, Yeah, like don't leave. And and that's what I'm saying to the PCA guys. Don't leave, like stick it out. Hang in there because what happened with the PCUS was we had an overwhelming number of very, very liberal churches, like truly theologically liberal, mm-hmm. and it was time to go. But in the PCA and in the SBC, as far as I can tell, that is not the case. Like it's time to it's time to dig in. It's time to do the hard work of seeking those standards. And again, in the PCA, I think that's a little bit easier because we have the Westminster standards, and we can kind of point everybody to that and say. We're not really in line with this, but yeah. to you guys in the SBC, even the Baptist faith and message is better than nothing. Like the, there is something going on here. And to to, to yeah. Bart's point that you brought up, like 
100 missionaries going out with 1689 convictions. That's amazing. Going out and yeah. planting churches. That's fantastic. Yeah. And don't bail just because things are a little bit wonky. Like that that's right. granted Texas always says Fine, we're going to secede from the union. You can But at the same time, I'm should happy they really? you're part of the SBC. No, I'm Look, just have your influence. I'm, just saying, I'm happy you're part of it. I think that's it. a good I no, think it's a listen, good and right thing to yeah. stay in there. I I I would be much more at home at like um what's it called? The Reformed Baptist Network probably. Right? That would feel more like home. But I like the interactions and the what we have the ability to accomplish in the SBC. Once the SBC gets in our way, we're out. Once the SBC in our estimation has gone off the rails, we're out. So like, and we evaluate this annually. It's not like we're just in, but I've been trying to tell like my generation, I'm Gen X, right? I was born in 72. A lot of guys in my generation were bailing on the SBC in the aughts. And I kept telling them, guys, don't leave, man. You, you have no idea the kind of students that are coming out of our seminaries that are beginning to fill the pulpits. They're yeah. increasingly Calvinistic, if not reformed Baptist, increasingly yeah. so. Yeah. And so, and not that the convention needs to be reformed Baptist. I'm just saying like, stay, it, 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 but where are you going to go? What are you going to do? I mean, there's other places, every, listen, the PCA is a wreck. The SBC is a wreck. Everything's a wreck. Okay. Nothing's great. Nothing's glorious. This side of heaven. Just the only perfect so, church. There. Yeah. It's, it's like, you, so you're going to have to say like, okay, is it worth staying in and working? Yeah. I think right now it is. Um, and I, I think, there's there's going to be more drama to come, sure. especially because we have so many people in our own convention. Listen, I have more peaceful conversations with Presbyterians than I do with some of our Baptists that are a part of the SBC. Hmm. It's like I like because we we know where we disagree, right? And we're like, yeah, all right, so we disagree. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're wrong. Whatever. All right, let's get on with it. And right, you got people saying like, you're having your seminary students read Thomas Aquinas. God forbid you're Roman Catholics. It's like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> yeah. For our main podcast listeners, Joe, how can they how can they get access to your content, your sermons? Um, if people heard this and they're like, you know what, I wanna I wanna hear more about what this guy has to say, where can they go? If you're not totally turned off, they are nuance. Oh. Um, then uh, hey, check us out at doctrineanddevotion.com. Uh, you can find us on all major uh podcast platforms uh so we release episodes every monday and thursday that are free to everybody you can find us on social media at doc and devo d-o-c-a-n-d-d-e-v-o instagram and twitter find us on facebook um if you really like what we're doing then you can support the podcast much like these guys do we don't have patreon because we're highfalutin uh we just have a, a special thing so they're for the people you can subscribe to all access Nice. All access will give you congregational uh, uh, podcasting. No, no, this is this is to line our pockets with all of the dough that we get. From, uh, <laughs> but you get like it five days a week. You get devotional content and uh, Monday through Friday called Weekday Wisdom, and you get another podcast called Banter of Truth, uh, and that's just Jimmy and I riffing on stuff every Tuesday. But check out the podcast that's for free for everybody. Start there, yeah. uh, Monday and Thursday. It's uh, it's good stuff. We're starting to do a lot more interviews these days, and um, it's been uh, it's been really good. So hopefully it'll be an yeah. encouragement. Check out Redeemer Fellowship's website. There's a lot oh, yeah. of great sermons on there. That's the church sure. that Joe pastors. One of my favorite sermons. I love it. I've listened to it a few times. I think it was on Psalm 131. 
Oh wait, I'm sorry. That was when Sam. That was Sam Renahan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was Sam <laughs> Renahan that preached at your church. That's a great one. Yeah, but he yeah. was preaching from my notes. Just yeah, I just think oh, I just right, want to say that. That's a great. From, that's which a great we're just sermon, copied though. from from Jay Edwards, right? Yeah. I am his JD Greer. Ooh. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> A little delayed. On that. That's okay. That's okay. We're good. Um, no, it's been it's been awesome. And guys, if you enjoy this episode and you want to hear more confessional reform podcasts, you can head over to the Society of Reform Podcasters, a network of doctrinally sound podcasts from a reform perspective. Head over to reformpodcasts.com and you'll get the mega feed of Five Points Church Planting Podcast, Assurance of Pardon, The Baptist Broadcast, Bobcast, Distilling Theology, Fox Den, Grace and Peace Radio, The Particular Baptist Podcast, Reform Brotherhood, Reform Standard, Restless, and Small Town Theologian. And there are other shows that were in the, the network. They they stopped producing content or uh, moved around, but there's there's all kinds of good stuff. Quitters. You're not going to want to miss it. That's true. And uh, Justin, if people enjoy DT and they want more of this kind of banter in real time, where can they go? In real time? Well, there's a couple of places that they can go. Obviously, they can join us on social media. We have a Facebook page that you can like and a group that you can join if you want to be. If you're not taking a call, go ahead. Right. Yeah. If you're not taking a call like me. Um, <laughs> you, you can you can join us there, and uh, you can join with us in conversation, uh, book recommendations, theological conversations, memes, uh, pictures of Blake's face, uh, all no, kinds of interesting things. Uh, <laughs> For now, uh, we also have a, a Twitter. Now that uh, Twitter is uh, is is under um, uh, you know some more free freedom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really need to I jump know. in there with Joe when he dumps <laughs> on certain people that we'll talk about in overtime. Uh, yeah. I do it on my yeah, personal well, Twitter, but I should do it from DT. You should. You should. We also have an Instagram. So we can get uh, lots of too. interesting stuff. So, uh, yeah. so check us out. But guys, if you want to be a part of the inner sanctum, uh, as it were, the, the true distilling theology family, if you want to be adopted into our family, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you can right. join us on Patreon uh, for $4.99 a month. You will get early releases, video streams. You will get a discount in our shop, Distilling Theology Store. Uh, you will also get to see all of this live, unedited. How long you get is to this? See- <laughs> this is the longest house forever. Ever. Uh, and there's other tiers and so on and so forth uh, where you can get glassware and other things. So, you know, whatever. Do the thing. <laughs> whatever. That's do your it. thing. Do your thing. Um, that's it. That's all I got. <clears throat> it is good. And uh, you know what else is good? I just sent everyone the outro, so hopefully it's in the chat and we have our taglines and we'll see oh, how we do crap. here. Live action. Sure. <laughs> I don't know if we're ready, but I'm going to start the outro music. I'm not ready. <laughs> and uh, we'll see if we can handle this. Guys, you're not going to want to miss the Patreon overtime. I'm sure it's going to get a little bit spicy. As you already heard, we were, we were calling out certain people for their anti-classical theist views and I want to talk about that because there are good Baptists on both sides but anyways are there there? Justin you're leading us out here guys whatever you do whether you eat or drink you know me what? Yes, do all to the glory of God. I don't. I, I don't know how you do it. Yes. Solely Deo Gloria. Yeah. Solely Deo Gloria. <laughs> <laughs>